0: hello hello and welcome to inspired your grown-up girl talk i'm stacy fleece and as always joined by samantha tradelius samantha how are you i am so well today how are you i'm I'm hanging in i'm hanging in um it's power day today because we have power guests and i'm really excited to uh have this conversation and i want to dig in right away we have with us kelly stephen ways she um Kelly, you're, you're fantastic because I, I, I want to back up just one step in your career. You, you founded a company called Hitchworks that was very recently sold to um, ServiceNow. So you, you started a company, you, you incubated it, you did the startup, you founded it, and then you sold it. So you've done the whole life cycle, which is really cool. Um, so welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yes, thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Um, so I just want to give people a little bit of background um, about what your company does, because I, I actually, I, well, well, we'll get to the questions in a bit, but but it's, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's essentially a talent mobility platform using AI to match up employees and their strengths with projects that need that particular strength.
1: That's um, exactly right. That's exactly which, right.
0: Which, uh, you know, it, it seems to me that... Uh, this would be a no-brainer for every company, not only as a money saver, but an employee um, you know, happiness factor. I think a lot of people don't even know what their strengths are. They don't even know what they're good at. So to have a company that focuses on figuring that out and then plugging them into projects to bring those strengths out of them, that's not how the workforce works right now.
1: That's right. And you would think that it would be the obvious thing for companies to invest in, but it, it's, it, it really had to be solved uh, with technology because one of the large issues uh, out there is that, you're right, people don't know their skills um, and companies don't know their people. So we, we know their job titles. We know that the, the role that they have in the company today, but we don't know the whole person. We don't know everything they've done. And we certainly cannot attach artificial intelligence to things that are not specific. So if we know people's skills, um, then we can point them to the right work. And so much of the workforce is not engaged because they're held inside of this artificial box called a job. And if we can open, Ew, up we theory, all hate that. <laughs> open it up, right, open it up and let people sort of roam about the company a little bit more, Um, we can have great success. And then, you know, right as the pandemic was taking off, I wrote a book called The Inside Gig, really to CHROs, so my peer group at the time, and um, CEOs to really rethink their operating model, um, that they could actually tap all this capacity, but they needed to know what their skill supply chains were. And, you know, there wasn't any technology to provide it. So I just started whiteboarding this in 2015 and, and, you know, sort of the rest is history.
2: Do you so find this- that like companies are, sorry, employers and companies are willing to kind of change their mindset about the way that they have people in these different silos or groups? Because I know as an employer myself, having, hiring people is the hardest part of people is the hardest part of the job. It's not, oh my God, it's the task, exhausting. right? Yeah, it but, is, it is really hard. But I find, like, I mean, I'm in the insurance industry, so it's typically a lot of, you know, older kind of people at the CEC C level that aren't necessarily willing to change or, or you know, shift into a different, like, degree of understanding how people work and getting the best out of a person. You know, are you finding... Well, it
1: this- is a mindset shift. That's the thing that people don't necessarily appreciate and sort of why the genesis of the book, uh, you know, it was to write to the hypothesis was that if we could open the company up a little bit more to leaders sharing talent across, you know, business unit or functional boundaries, that it would not create chaos, but it would actually um, open up all this productivity and capacity, be able to tap discretionary effort from employees. But the traditional in the incentives in the traditional way of thinking has always been hoard your best people and therefore you'll get your work done. And 100%. we further incent that by saying, if you get your work done, we'll pay you more money. We never say, if you're the best exporter, importer of talent, if you're the best talent architect, we're going to pay you more money. We haven't done that. And so- We have to
0: incentivize the action we want, right? That's
1: right. That's right. Because- Look, you know, managers don't want to share. It's it's kindergarten. It's back to the playground. It's right, uh, you're not I'm gonna take my ball and go it. home. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> if the best talent wins, then I'm going to keep my talent. And what we don't really think about is the fact that people will leave you anyways. They will vote with their feet and they'll find another opportunity and it won't be inside your organization. So wouldn't you rather share that talent internally and maybe even keep them on home base, but you just let them contribute elsewhere in the organization as well. I
0: mean, imagine a world where we're all doing a job that we actually love and are good at.
2: (laughs) Ah, Crazy. But I also think the way that people work now is different, the way that the employee thinks is different, the way the employer is thinking about their employees and their environment and their culture must be different. Because this isn't the old, this isn't the world two, three years ago. It's a, We're a very different landscape. So in your... Um, you know, studies and, and understanding people and how they tick and also how, you know, they interact with other people. You know, what are some of the things that people don't know about themselves that you're able to kind of pinpoint and find and connect?
1: Well, one of the things that isn't obvious sort of in, in a, you know, every human being sort of has a Dunbar number. We can only know 150 people. We also just don't know a lot about ourselves and we don't know what skill sets Uh, are adjacent to the ones we have. So therefore the non-obvious career paths are really not visible to us. And so that the number of combinations of all the different things you could do, even not only in your own industry or your own functional sort of discipline, but what else could you do? Um, And so what we can do with technology is sort of surface What are those adjacent skills using um, algorithms and data science to tell you, hey, here's all the potential career paths outside of your functional area that you're just missing one or two skills, or you have a lot of transferable skills that would be relevant. And what that can do is surface a lot of the hidden workforce um, that, you know, creating this whole new supply of people that you didn't think you had, um, and also getting people to open up their horizons a little bit and try new things. And let's face it, the, a lot of this, so you and I have da- well, daughters, right? That are born All in Eleven, right? Yeah. The skills that they, the, the jobs that are on the market today are, those jobs won't be here t- it, when when they hit the workforce. There'll be a whole new set of jobs, a whole new set of skills, we don't, you know, artificial intelligence, which is hot now, it'll be called something else. And so there's a whole, the world is not going to stand still. People don't stand still. So we have to have a way to help people reskill and upskill themselves.
0: So speaking of not standing still, um, you started this company on a whiteboard when you had four kids going, a career- <laughs> And then, and then, Hey, here's an idea. Maybe I could start this company, um, build it out. And then, you know, seven, eight years later, sell it. I know that probably wasn't part of the original plan, but, um, how, how did you ever get your brain to allow you to do that? I mean, I feel like so many of us are like, that would be cool, but no way I can't do that.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like what if somebody would have asked me if I was going to have four kids, I would have said, hell no, there's, that's not <laughs> happening. Um, so if they'd asked me if I was going to build a tech company or be a CEO of a tech company, I would have said, hell no, there's no way. So it really happened in baby steps. And there's sort of something in the water in the Silicon Valley that makes you a little bit crazy. Um, but when I couldn't find what I was looking for, I couldn't find a technology that sort of really brought the future of work to the forefront and focused on the employee, not focused on the back office of making HR work easier. And I was a CHRO for 13 years, so I definitely understood um, you know, the technology to help my organization function better. But what I was looking for is something that allowed learning to be more dynamic and in the flow of work, people to get more insights and opportunities presented to them in the flow of work. Um, and there just when there wasn't anything, um, I, I definitely saw so many people's talents wasted as well, including my own. I was always bored after six months. Hence, I had to create a whole job within a job for myself. But, (laughs) you know, I just started whiteboarding this, like just because I was a creative and a visual and I figured if I could like, if I could build it, they would come, you know, if I could like make this picture, I could find the right talent. I had spent so many years being a talent architect and that's exactly what happened. You know, I whiteboarded this. I was fortunate enough to meet a very visionary guy, Edzard Overbeek, who was um, formerly at Cisco and now CEO of Here Technologies. And I said, hey, if you're trying to build a platform company, I think I can help you, you know, rethink the talent, but this is the technology that, that will need to do it. And he said, great, handshake, come in, be my CHRO. And he funded that, initial POC that then went to the enterprise and later got commercialized while at here and then spun out um, with venture capital funding. So, um, you know- That's fantastic to have a
0: mentor like that who who will not only support your vision, but um, be really okay to let you fly when it's time, you
1: know? Exactly. And think about how many great ideas, how many people like me are sitting there in organizations with that whiteboard in their head. And if we can find a way, which was part of the logic of Hitch 2, was if we could get people cross-pollinating and connecting, if we can make them feel seen, valued, and heard, we might be able to excavate a lot of that innovation that would be hidden from us. And we would, you know, it would be a win-win. A win for the employee because they're super engaged and pumped up, excited about the work they're doing, and the company is getting the windfall of all that innovation.
2: Yeah, it's a total power move on both sides. So I want to talk a little bit about you as a woman and what you're doing for women in your space. Um, I I know from living here in the Bay that the landscape of, uh, Silicon Valley hasn't always been very female focused. There are some girls, you know, we're, we're coming in, but we're still not there at the same level as our male counterparts are. What are you doing to move the needle there? And, you know, some of the work that you're doing, um, out there amongst your peers.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it's very important to, to pay it forward. I say, you know, um, whether it's, uh, education, teaching, um, every day you should wake up and bring another woman up in some way, shape or form. So wait, I, uh,
0: I want to pause on that. Let's say that again. Cause I literally, I think if we all take this away and if right. everybody listening takes it away, we start the movement that you wanted to start. Say that one more time.
1: So every day you need to wake up and think, what am I going to do today to bring another woman up? And Love that it. could be, a simple supporting encouragement, encouraging text, it could be helping them negotiate their salary, it could be helping them through a conflict at work um, that lands them in a better place. You know, there are so many ways that we can help other women. And every time we do, it is a rising tide effect. So I participate in um, a couple of things. One is women corporate directors, um, which is, of course, there's NACD and there's a lot of great uh, directors programs, but this is a way that, that I co- connect with other female directors and, of course, help other women get board appointments, which is still not where we want it, um, but you know to, to give back their um, how women lead uh, another great forum of, of women talking to women um, about you know everything from investing to you know leadership issues. Um, the Athena Alliance run by Coco Brown um, is another great organization. And then you know it's also not waiting till we're professionals, but you know ensuring that girls also have a lot of focus in places like middle school where, We tend to fall off STEM careers and other things. So, um, you know, there's a great organization called the Silicon Valley Education Foundation um, for which, you know, education in areas like math and science need to happen so that girls continue to pursue, you know, um, hey, science can be sexy and math can be sexy and I can lead you into great careers.
0: I mean, I honestly, it. there's nothing sexier than a good algebra class. Let's be
1: honest. That's right, and when you see some but of these, there's us. a beautiful, uh, you know, all woman NASA scientists. And oh my God, um, we love that. You know, yeah. uh, Rebecca Obregon Jimenez, who I sit on the board with at Form Factor. Um, she really rose through the ranks, and, and you know, in in engineering, she's Hispanic. Um, she is, you know, I think going to be a CEO very soon, uh, probably in the next five years. Um, She's just, and she is beautiful and smart and the whole package. And so girls need to know that we don't need to dumb ourselves down uh, because it's not sexy to be in computer science, engineering, math. Um, These are great careers for us too.
2: And being smart is super sexy, P.S.
1: That's right.
2: I read an article that you uh, were interviewed in and you said three things, and these are three things we hear and three things that I love. And I want to repeat because of three things that I know you stand by too. One was do what you love, right? The next was know who you are. And Stacy and I talk about this all the time because so many of us women do not know who we are till way later on in life. And so I think lifting each other up in that way is to help women really define that earlier on in life. And then this one I love is dress for the job that you want. Right, not the one that you have, and I too, and please as well. Like we all kind of subscribe to that philosophy, where you know if you we, get up,
0: we've uh, we referred to it as "fake it till you make it." That's um, <laughs> that's also a fun little uh, a fun little yes. term that we've thrown around. But
2: I think when you get up and you put yourself together, and you know whatever that feels like for you th- that day, it really does. I think make your day a little bit brighter, and you step a little taller, and your head's a little higher held. So I mean, those are three things that you kind of hone in on and I really love them. And I think, you know, more women we're doing those things, but we need to be talking about them more out loud
1: and doing them together. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. You, you know, the the two things about knowing who you are and dress for the, the job that you want, not the one you have, that really comes pretty easily when you're doing what you love. Um, you don't want to try to be somebody else though. Um, because ultimately, you will not be doing what you love. Um, but, you know, my, my grandfather told me very early on that there's a difference between uh, a, you know, a job and, and doing something that you're passionate about, and that all the success would follow you when you're doing something that you love. Now, finding your way to what you love is, is not always a, it's not a linear path, <laughs> but um, once you can do something that you love, it's really important. And knowing who you are, um, you know, it, I'm 50 and I call 50, I'm not 50, I'm 53. But uh, I, I believe that, you know, your, my 50s have been awesome because I really am settled in who I am. And, you know, you don't have to wait till you're in your 50s to do that, but you can be on a journey to really discover who you are. Some of us
0: um, are not there yet. So I love that you are. I, uh, I have no idea who I am. I'd like someone to tell me actually, that would be super
1: helpful. That's right. And, you know, somebody told me recently, like, I don't share my age, but, but I think, you know, I'm proud of, of being, you know, who I am and where I am. And, um, and you know what, also for people to see that you're not perfect. Um, And be okay with that, too. Uh, We all want to be our best self, um, physically, mentally. um, But it's okay, you know, to have feelings of self-doubt and not feeling your best. And that's why when I say bring up another woman, boy, doesn't it make you feel good when a a girlfriend or a colleague says, hey, you know, I've felt that way, too. um, And sort of picked you back up.
2: But you know what's so funny is we were chatting before we got on this call, and it was like, you know, when you look at you, and you look at your bio, and you look at who you are as a as a persona online. You know, you're like, wow, she's got her shit together. Like this gal is amazing, and you really are amazing. But I'm so glad that you shared that candid moment with us. But like, look, yeah, like I'm no different than anybody else. Like I have feelings, and I get discouraged, and I feel down, and that's okay. And I think that people need to hear that it's okay to not be the super powerful human being. We're all humans at the end of the day that, that feel and, and learn from our mistakes. And I think that's pretty awesome.
1: That's right. And I have found so much solace in there are so many great women out there and, and, and to give a few shout outs to them, you know, Dawn Zier, um, who has been a great mentor to me, Judy O'Brien, Um, Eva Sage, Gavin, I mean, I could just go on and on and on of the women that have literally, you know, been on the other end of the line, you know, when I had a bad day or when I had a lot of self doubt, or I didn't think I could do it or make it, um, they have really picked me up. And, um, again, I think that that is, should be our obligation. I have two daughters, um, and I'd like to think that they will, they will do the same.
2: Um, yes. And when I grow up, I want to be more like you. Okay. You are just (laughs) the best thing ever. Kelly, I want to thank you for sharing your story, your inspiration, your vision, and showing us all that women can really get out there and do whatever they want to do. Supporting and lifting women is our jam and it is yours as well. And we're so happy to be able to share that space in this universe with you. For everybody else out there this week, I hope you get out there and be inspired.